people say that to me, like I've done everything. And then I, I'll say, oh, let me look at your journal entries. Let mm-hmm. me look at, show me your work. I read the book, but did you do the alignment opportunities? Did you do the exercises? I joined that program. Show me where you did the worksheets that came along with that program. Well, I didn't have time. So you didn't do anything. You just learned. And here's the problem with overconsumption is that then you have too many options. Hey, this is Allison and welcome to the Inspire Budget Podcast, where we talk all things budgeting, debt and saving money. Today, I am thrilled to introduce our guest, Rachel Luna. I met Rachel at a conference in Puerto Rico, and I knew immediately that she needed to be part of the Inspire Budget podcast. Rachel is a beacon of resilience. Rachel's journey from a U.S. Marine to a highly sought after international speaker, certified master neuroscience coach, and best-selling author is nothing short of inspirational. Rachel's book, Permission to Offend, encourages women, particularly mothers, to confidently express themselves, ushering them toward a life of authenticity and abundance. In today's episode, we'll uncover the richness of Rachel's personal journey and how we can rethink our personal finances, especially debt. Let's welcome Rachel Luna. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the Inspired Budget Podcast. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here with you today, Allison. I'm excited you're here too. We got the chance to meet in Puerto Rico Mm -hmm. and immediately I was like, we need to have her on the podcast because <laughs> I I was able to have lunch with you one day and you were like speaking to my soul. So I knew I wanted my podcast listeners to get to hear from you as well. So can you just share a little bit about your journey, including some of the adversities that you mm. have faced and really how they have shaped you to be who sure. you are today? Because I'm guessing who you are today is not who you were 10, 20 years ago. I mean, who I am today is arguably not who I was yesterday. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about life is that every single day we get to choose who we want to be for that day. And I really like to teach that is decide who you want to be today. Wake up in the morning and just check in with yourself. And Mm -hmm. by the way, Allison, these are things that I did not do growing up. Um, As you mentioned, some of the adversity, if you look at my track record, I just have a whole lifetime of adversity starting from before I was born. I'm going to tell my story in bullet points okay? because because my story is so complex and so many Mm -hmm. twists and turns and so much. We would take the full hour. And I really want to talk about money and all the other good stuff. But the bullets cliff notes is that I like to say to people that I have been fighting to live since before I was born because my biological mother considered aborting me. And it was my godmother who would then go on to raise me later on who petitioned for my life. Mm -hmm. And I share that with you to remind you that there are people petitioning for your life, petitioning for your dreams that you don't even know about yet. You don't know the hand that the, of the people that you're going to meet and how they're going to help in a sense, save your life. Mm. So my biological mother did have me. I had three older male siblings from her and she did not want any more children. She only wanted a girl. And so my godmother said to her, that's your daughter. That's Rachel. And my biological mother said, well, if it's a boy, you're keeping her. Ah. Fast forward. (laughs) She was prophetic. 
Fast forward three and a half years Mm. later, she finds out that she has AIDS. She passes Mm. away very quickly. And my father, he also had HIV at the time. Later on, it developed into full-blown AIDS. And so he made the decision to give me to my godmother, who at the time was living her most fabulous single life. She was going to go into the Peace Corps. She didn't even want a kid. (laughs) And so... I think that it's important to note that there are people who are always willing to make sacrifices on your behalf because you are worthy. And can you give yourself permission to accept that you are Mm. valuable and you are not defined by your budget or your bank account, which was something that in my earlier years in entrepreneurship, I really struggled with. I felt like I couldn't be taken seriously as a coach. I couldn't be taken seriously or that people wouldn't want to work with me because I wasn't making as much money as other people. And I was forgetting that that I just wasn't making as much money as other people because I was new. I was still learning how to build a business, but I still had the expertise in what I was offering. And Mm -hmm. what I really want to normalize that is like leaning into your expertise and recognizing your inherent value, not your value based on your bank account or net worth. I love that. So because my father gave me away. And I use those words in air quotes. I grew Mm -hmm. up with a lot of uh, feelings of rejection and abandonment. And again, years later, I came to learn and recognize that those feelings of rejection and abandonment were not because of what my father did, rather because of the stories I was telling myself and the meaning I was assigning to my father's actions Mm -hmm. and his behaviors. Whoa. Did you have to go to therapy to figure this out? Like this is like (laughs) full blown, like everyone get out your notebooks because that was, that was so much. You were feeling that way because of the feelings you were assigning to your father's actions. I want to know because you did, I mean, already, and we haven't even touched on the rest of the bullet points, but did you go to therapy to uncover this? How did you do this work? So I have been in therapy since I was five years old, essentially since my biological mother died or maybe first grade, I should say that's where the, like it was a court, uh, not a court appointed, excuse me, a school appointed therapist. Actually, my therapist and I were not dealing with my mother at all. We were dealing with abuse that, that I had endured and Mm. occasional, like talking about your feelings about your parent came here and there. Therapy did not actually help me discover any of what I now know. No, because so much of therapy at that time. Now, there are so Mm -hmm. many advances in therapy now, like EMDR is a therapeutic practice that I have been through that I highly recommend for anyone that's dealing with PTSD or some sort of trauma that you just can't get over. I highly recommend EMDR. But back in the day, talk therapy was very popular. And Mm -hmm. I think that talk therapy does have its benefits. The problem is that the way the brain works, and I have a master's certification in neuroscience, is that the way the brain works is the more you talk about what's already happened, the more you solidify those neural pathways. Mm -hmm. And so that, that story becomes encoded. And if part of your talk therapy isn't centered around forward motion and future action and creating a new neural pathway and new belief around the story, then you sort of get locked in time. Right. Living in the past. Right. You you do. And not mm-hmm. only living in the past, but the past informs your beliefs about your present and your actions towards your future. This is the way that the brain is designed. The brain is designed to look for all of the evidence, the experience from the past to deduce whether or not the action you're about to take is safe. 
Mm. And because, right, the brain's job is to keep us alive. So it's only doing what it's been designed to do, Mm -hmm. but it's also a processor. And so you have to feed it. Think of it like chat GPT, right? The quality (laughs) of the question or the prompts that you put into chat GPT will deliver the outcome. Same thing with your brain. Mm -hmm. So what happened with me being in therapy for all those years is that I just kept talking about my trauma Mm -hmm. and staying in victimhood. Mm-hmm. And let me say this very clearly. Sometimes it can be a little polarizing, so I'll do my best. It's okay to be polarizing. <laughs> well, I'm I I teach being polarizing. Right. You know, my book Permission to Offend, but I want to say this in a way that's not going to cause harm. And there's okay. a difference between being polarizing and causing harm, mm-hmm. right? So when I say that I was really living as a victim, is I really had this belief, this arrogance around me that people should treat me differently, that they should be kinder to me. They should be more understanding. They should be more empathetic because, you know, I was this little orphan girl who was abused and had eating disorders and, and was an alcoholic. And you did not know all the things that I went through. And my father abandoned me and my mother died. And everyone lied to me about my mother's death that I talk about that in my book. So Mm -hmm. we won't hash that there, but I had all these stories and talk therapy just helped me feel validated Mm -hmm. in those stories. And what I want to say about victimhood is that you can acknowledge your victimization without holding onto your identity as the victim. That is critical for healing and setting yourself free. I was victimized multiple times throughout my life. I'm not a victim. I am crazy victorious. When you look at my life, I'm a magnet for miracles. I am evidence that you can heal, that you can have transformation. I am evidence that it doesn't matter the adversity that you've had to overcome if you're willing to do the work. And yes, Mm -hmm. there's community. There's opportunity. I don't necessarily believe in luck. I believe in God appointed blessings, but you get to choose your own belief, right? So it's not that it was a straight narrow, perfectly decorated path. There's this idea that I keep seeing floating around that if you've had any kind of adversity and you've overcome it, it's because something special happened to you. Like you're this unique unicorn and because you're so privileged Mm. and it was your privilege that helped you overcome what privilege I'm a Puerto Rican girl from New York city from Mm -hmm. to migrant parents from Puerto Rico. Like what privilege? The privilege is that my parents, well, my mom who raised me worked very, very hard and she made sacrifices and I worked very, very hard and I've made sacrifices. So I, I do believe that privilege exists. Mm -hmm. It does, but we can't keep using that as an excuse for not pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps and, and changing the way that we think. Now, your question was, was it therapy? So it was a combination of talk therapy, EMDR, life coaching, neuroscience. It has been a journey. So I have done every kind of work that you can think somatic therapy, a lot of, I'm a woman of faith. So Mm -hmm. a lot of it has been prayer and fasting. So it's not one thing. And I think people Mm -hmm. need to stop looking for the one thing because it's not the magic wand. There's no magic wand. It doesn't exist. That pill is not out there. And so I know we'll talk about my book in a second, but like 
everything that I've done, I've put into this book. I, can you mm -hmm. see? I don't know if there is yes. like a play. Like even in my own book, if you're looking at this on YouTube or something, I have flags left and right. I wrote every single word of this mm -hmm. myself, but I still do the work. Even mm -hmm. though I wrote the book, I still go back. I still have to remind myself like, oh, you know what? I'm stuck in a story loop. I'm I'm stuck mm -hmm. in not moving forward. I've got to do the all outcomes matrix from chapter seven. I'm telling mm -hmm. myself a story. Let me use my framework for freedom so that I could get out of this loop and I can actually move forward. So mm -hmm. it really is the willingness to take everything that you learn, not just to consume, but to implement mm -hmm. because yes. wisdom is the application of knowledge. Yes. And if we just keep consuming and consuming and learning and learning and learning and we never implement, then we get stuck in this, this space where we say, well, I, I did all this, but none of it works for me. Oh, I hate what I hear. That. I, there are very few things that I hate in life because I think, you know, hate is such a strong word, mm -hmm. but I really do. I hate when, when people say that to me, like I've done everything. And then I, I'll say, oh, let me look at your journal entries. Let mm -hmm. me look at, show me your work. I read the book, but did you do the alignment opportunities? Did you do the exercises? Mm -hmm. I joined that program. Show me where you did the worksheets that mm -hmm. came along with that program. Well, yeah. I didn't have time. So you didn't do anything. You just learned. Mm -hmm. And here's the problem with overconsumption is that then you have too many options. You yes. have too much information and you don't know what to do first because you could do so many different ways. I was teaching a class yesterday. I have a program called Permission to Make Bank where I help people get through their mindset stuff so that they can market and sell their services, right? Very, very little. It's very light on marketing strategy, sales strategy, although I love teaching sales. So it's, it's but it's all the yeah. stuff, right? Mm -hmm. The mindset. And it's the, well, it's not just the mindset because I think when, I, I think that that word has been overused so much that people mm -hmm. think like, oh, it's just what I'm thinking. No, it's what you're doing about those thoughts. Mm. It's the work that you're doing with those thoughts. It's not just recognizing that you have a thought and that you have to think differently. It's recognizing that there's actual physical work. There's like pen to paper work. Right. There is There are physical actions that you need to take if you want to change your thoughts because the way the brain works, like you need a certain amount of dopamine to get going. Some people mm -hmm. don't naturally produce dopamine, cortisol, or serotonin to actually have the get up and go. We're going to get super nerdy here. Let me just dial it back. <laughs> but I really, what I'm really trying to say is we were talking in this program yesterday and the girl was like, I feel like there's not a lot of marketing strategy in this program. I said, okay, cool. You want the marketing strategy? Here we go. I'm going to tell you everything you need to do to get your webinar off the ground from soup to nuts, A to Z, right? Mm -hmm. I only get through the fourth little thing that they could do to have a successful webinar launch. And I'm seeing the chat. Oh my gosh, I'm already overwhelmed. Oh my gosh, this is so much. I said, Exactly. You think that this is so much and you don't mm -hmm. have the capacity because you haven't done the work that I'm telling you to do mm -hmm. first. Because when I look at this webinar, I think it's not too much. It's like, oh, these right. are all these great action steps and strategies. And the reality is that you could do a webinar launch. You could do a an application launch. You can do an email launch. All of those will work because you've consumed so much. You right. are now stuck in like, which is going to work for me. All of them will work for you. Yes. It's paralyzing. paralyzing. It can be paralyzing. And then you're like, oh, I can't do any of it. 
I know I have felt like that before, just in, in not even related to like business ownership, but like even parenting, like, oh my gosh, there's so many different parenting techniques. Like, let me just keep doing what I'm doing, which by the way, isn't really working sometimes (laughs) because just try trying and implementing when you're consuming too much can be so overwhelming. So I agree with you 100%. Today's episode is brought to you by my budget to build wealth. Here's the truth. I do not believe, actually, I refuse to believe that wealth is just for the rich. I believe that wealth can be built on a budget without sacrificing what you love to spend money on. I fully believe that budgeting is the quickest, most effective way for you to reach your money goals. So whether your goal is to stop living paycheck to paycheck, pay off those student loans that have been hanging over your head, or find room in your budget every single month so that way you can start investing for your future, you're going to need a guide, a plan to get yourself there, which is exactly what I'm sharing in my free training, Budget to Build Wealth. In this training, I'm gonna be sharing three massive mistakes that people make with their budget and their financial plan so that way you can avoid them. I'm gonna be sharing with you the secret to freeing up more money in your budget each month so that way you can send extra money to your goals. And I'm going to be sharing with you my tried and true four-step framework to budgeting your way to wealth without giving up what you love. Plus, there is a very special free gift for anyone who stays until the end. You can sign up by going to inspiredbudget.com slash class or just click the link in my show notes. You'll be able to choose a time that works for your schedule and I'll see you there. I do want to know, because I know that Mm. there are people that are listening and I hear from a lot of women specifically who feel very overwhelmed with their financial situation, Mm. especially when it comes to debt. And I feel like you could help them maybe see where they are in a different light. Because I know for me, when I found myself in debt, like I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but I was like angry. I was like, (laughs) I I don't deserve to be here. Like I went to college. I did my thing. Like, like, woe is me. Now I have to do all of this. So-and-so was born into a rich family and I wasn't born into a rich family. I couldn't have, my parents couldn't afford to pay for my college. And I had to get myself out of that place and just be like, Mm -hmm. well, Allison, this is what you were handed. Let's, let's do something about it. And I was able to do that, but I know so many women feel very overwhelmed with their debt. Mm -hmm. They feel like it's never, they're never going to be able to get out of it. And honestly, mm-hmm. it's a math problem, right? But it's right. so much more than a math problem. So what would you say in terms of helping people change the way that they're thinking about that mm-hmm. so that they can overcome that hurdle of just feeling bad about mm. themselves, shameful, guilty? Yeah. I've had women write to me and say like, I don't think I'll ever find a partner because who would want to take on my debt that I have? I mean, it's really, really so much. So I'm wondering what can you offer anyone that might be feeling that way specifically about debt and having debt Mm -hmm. that they can overcome that so that they can take the necessary steps to get rid of it? Mm. Well, first of all, I've never had any debt whatsoever. So just kidding. Are you crazy? (laughs) I have so much debt. In fact, I, if I look at I've probably had more than a hundred thousand dollars of debt that I've Mm -hmm. like clawed my way out of two times. 
I had over $40,000 in debt two times, right? You would think yeah. that after the first time I got <laughs> myself out of that debt, I would be like, you know, Betty budget and on my P's and Q's and never going to do that again. And it's, I wrote down as you were talking, it's a math, pro- it's a mental math problem, right? Right. So it's mental and it's math and you have mm-hmm. to figure out. Um, so we'll break that down. I want to go back to what the last part that you said about the woman who said, mm-hmm. who's going to want to take on my debt. I think it's all about how you think about your debt because I've been married for 14 years. Mm-hmm. I have had debt. My husband has had debt. Never once have I ever thought that my debt was my husband's responsibility. Never mm. once has he said to me, babe, we got to pull our money together so we can pay off my credit cards. So mm-hmm. I think it's how you think about the situation and my personal belief. This is where. So one of the things I teach you is to figure out what you believe and what you value so that mm-hmm. you can have these conversations. My personal belief is that my personal debt that I brought into this marriage is my responsibility. And my husband's personal debt is his responsibility. Mm-hmm. And then we have shared expenses, but having a, an honest conversation around who's going to pay for what that solves right. that. And then whatever's left over, I'm going to put to my debt. You go put it to your debt. Let's chip mm-hmm. away at this. Or maybe we have the conversation of like, let's chip away at one debt to get who has the highest right. interest rate, whatever. But those are conversations for that person. They're not taking on your debt. They're going mm-hmm. into partnership with you. Mm-hmm. And you are worthy, like you are magnificent. And if maybe that's the entry fee to have access <laughs> to have you in their life forever. I'll just tell you my debt story and and releasing feelings of shame, guilt, mm-hmm. blame. First of all, shame is not who you are. It's mm. the the result of an action that you took. And the reason that we experience shame is because it's the brain's way of alerting us of something that we don't want to keep doing. So the brain is trying to tell you, hey, maybe let's not do this again. This Mm -hmm. wasn't a really good idea. And so anytime you feel shame, blame, anger, fear, that's an opportunity for you to ask questions like, okay, what is this emotion trying to tell me? What is the root? What am I believing about this mm-hmm. experience? What story am I telling myself? What meaning am I assigning? Mm-hmm. So now we look at debt. What are you making the debt mean? The first time I found myself in over $40,000 of debt, I didn't think about it until I had to think about it. Okay. Yeah. So for me, I was, I was that girl that the bills would come in the mail. <laughs> Allison, I wouldn't even open them. I would just <gasps> throw them in the trash. Oh my gosh. I have done that before. No, I have because it's like hard to, a lot of people do that. I will tell you right now, a lot of people do it because you have to face it, right? It's like, it's like you have to open the doors and look at all the like quote unquote skeletons in your closet. Yeah. And it can be scary. And that's when you're like, oh my gosh, if I open this and I look at it, that means I have to do something. Right. And I have to confront what Mm -hmm. I believe to be bad behavior. Yes. I have to confront what I believe to be wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Right. And nobody wants to be wrong. There's this inherent desire for us to be right. This is why we get into fights with people because we want to be right. And so one of the things I always say is like, can you just give yourself permission to be wrong? Because if you can give yourself permission to be wrong in arguments about your money situation, about the meaning that you're assigned, man, you're going to live such a much more 
free life. Okay. Content. So now I contend. Oh my God. I have oh. so much peace. I'm one of my favorite things to say is I'm available to be wrong. And I say it every day. Mm-hmm. Yesterday I was having a conversation with my daughter and I, she did something and I felt rejected and I can't remember the other word, but I said to her, I said, honey, I know that you're not choosing like you're not making me feel anyway, right? You're doing something, mm-hmm. but I'm feeling rejected and I'm telling myself a story that, and I kind of reflected back to her what I was thinking. I said, is that what you're thinking? I'm available to be wrong. So please, mm. I am so willing to be wrong in this. Let me know what you're really <laughs> thinking. Yeah. You're like, I actually want to be wrong. I want to be wrong. Please, (laughs) please let me be wrong. And here's the thing. When you say I'm available to be wrong, it immediately diffuses the situation. Mm. And if you're having a conversation with another person and you're arguing, I'm available to be wrong. Tell me your side. Immediately it disarms them Mm. because it gives them the opportunity to feel seen and heard and hopefully understood. Okay. So now let's go back to the money thing, right? So you're looking at this debt. What are you making it mean? When I first started to pay off my debt, I decided, you know what? I think that the result of this debt is that I just don't know how to manage money. I'm Mm -hmm. not good with money. And so if I pay off this debt, I'm just going to rack it back up. So it's almost safer for me to not pay off the debt so that I don't have much wiggle room on the card to charge it back up. Isn't that crazy? I've never heard that before. It's like you are, it's like you're almost like self-sabotaging out of fear that you'll continue to make mm, the choices. I actually think it wasn't self-sabotage. It was self-preservation. I was saving myself. It was a protection, right? It was, it was protection, but you didn't actually know if you needed that protection. No, I wasn't even consciously thinking yeah. I'm protecting wow. myself. No, it wasn't until I did the work of like, right. wait, I have to examine this. Okay. So then I realized like, oh, I don't trust myself. Mm-hmm. I don't trust that if I pay off this debt, yep. I will remain debt free because I have this belief that everyone is in debt, mm-hmm. right? This is like, everyone has credit cards. Everybody uses credit cards. And no one ever sat me down to teach me how to use a credit card, by the way. I believe that as long as you paid it off, eventually nothing bad would happen. I didn't, I didn't know that you were supposed to pay it off every single month or you were going to mm-hmm. accrue interest. I didn't yeah. understand how interest worked. Like, all of that. Right. So I was very, very ignorant and nobody Mm -hmm. wants to feel ignorant. Nobody wants to admit that they don't know. So really paying off your debt is a journey of self-discovery and figuring out what you know and what you don't know. Can you love yourself through your ignorance? And ignorance simply means not knowing. It's Mm -hmm. not a bad word the way that we've made it mean, because now people use it as a you're so ignorant. Right. It's a put down now. It's a put down, right? Society, Mm -hmm. like through society. But really, if you look at the definition of the word, it just means to not know. Okay, so now let's change the meaning. I paid off that debt. By the way, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pay this off. I'm going to fresh start, clean slate, and I'm going to be responsible. And I did. And it was great. And then little by little, I started racking up the debt, racking up the debt. And I'd have these high, low moments. I would feel bad about it. And then one day I said, you know what? I'm just starting my business. This was in the earlier years of my business. I need to put things on credit cards. I don't want to feel bad about it anymore. What's a better thought? You know what? I started looking at my credit card bills as what 
evidence of blessings already received. Wow. Right. So evidence of blessings already received. Because you could see like, oh, I got a laptop. Oh, Um, I got a piece of software. Oh, I got to have a fun family night out. Oh, I got the new belt or the shoes or whatever. mm -hmm. And then the other meaning I assigned was I am so trustworthy that these companies are willing to lend me money over and over and over again. Wow. I'm a trustworthy person. And every time I get a bill in the mail, it's an evidence of blessings already received. How did, how did you f- then say like, okay, but, th- but I can go ahead and pay this off and make sure it was a priority. So here's the thing. I had a season where I didn't feel that it was a priority. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. I just said, you know what? Paying off this debt is not a priority. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything about me. I'm using the good credit that I've earned. I'm using the value and the trust that I've built up with these banks and I'm just going to honor myself. So I'm going to make my minimum monthly payments, but I'm going to keep using my cards and I'm not going to feel bad about it because Mm -hmm. this debt does not define me. And it didn't put you in a negative, like, no, it didn't put me in a negative. No, it didn't put you in like, you couldn't pay your mortgage or your light bill or anything Mm -hmm. like that because of that. Right. So Mm -hmm. I, and by the way, that's not to say that I didn't have months where things were very lean, right? There were months when (laughs) things were very lean and I had to like, I'm going to be honest. There were some times where I would completely forget to pay my credit card. Mm -hmm. And then like after, I think it's like after two months, they send you a little email that says like, Hey, Hey, you better do something <laughs> about this. And then when I'd get that like, hey, hey, email, I'd pay it. Right. Right. But I never made it mean anything about me. Mm. And I think that that's the most important part, because the reason that so many people feel bad about their debt is because they're making it mean something about mm. who they are. I made it mean nothing. It was neutral. I love then, that. Yes. There was a moment where I was like, OK, you know what, when, when that moment came, when I noticed how much money we were paying in interest, interest. and fees, mm-hmm. at one point, my debt was so high that I was paying $900 a month in interest alone. Oh my gosh. And then you're like, I don't want to do that anymore. No, what am I doing with my life? This is it. Yeah. Now this actually doesn't make any sense, especially because by that time, Allison, my financial situation had changed and I was making more Mm -hmm. money. Here's the thing about evolving and growing and making more money. If you don't get a hold of your patterns and your habits, the more money you make, that doesn't change. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was still when I was making multiple six figures, I was still treating my money with the disrespect that I I had when I was making no money. Right. Even when I was making multiple six figures, I was still waiting to get that email like, Mm -hmm. hey, hey, you better do something about this, even though I had the money. Yeah. You had to respect your finances. Well, I had to break the pattern that my brain had created. Right. And. And I guess that pattern, like, was that hard? Because I guess you had been in that pattern for so long. It's hard to break those patterns that we've maybe been accustomed to for years. Yes, it was very hard for multiple reasons. Number one, because I already had the habit and the pattern of Mm -hmm. not paying my credit card bill on this day. I already had the habit of waiting for someone to tell me it was time to pay Mm -hmm. my bills. And I didn't realize this then, but awareness is coming in right now because I had so much trauma growing up. 
And I always wanted to be saved. I wanted to be rescued from all the bad things that had happened to me in my life. As an adult, I was still looking for someone to take care of me, to take care of my finances, to tell me it's time for you to pay your bill here. Let me hold your hand while you do this, because I know this is very scary for you. Right. Mm -hmm. So then I had to figure out ways to neutralize even the act of paying my bills, neutralize the act of even opening up my bank account. Right. And and honestly, Allison, I hate to admit this, but I will for the sake of our listener. I make great money. Okay. (laughs) Fantastic money because there are still roots of old patterns and habits. There are some days where I go to open my bank account and I notice that my nervous system goes Mm. and then I have to remind it, like, relax, we make money now. We're good. You're not going to see anything crazy here. You're fine. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just want our listener to understand that sometimes that will still come in. It doesn't mean anything about you. It's just an old habit or pattern. So I had to change. And the other reason why changing my habits and my patterns was so difficult is because I have ADHD and dyslexia. Okay. I have ADHD. You, yeah, but you're so good about having like systems and structures. Like I have the the other kind of No, I have the other kind of ADHD where like I like the idea of a system Mm -hmm. and a structure, but it's so if I can't see it, um, Mm -hmm. I have that ADHD where you have to see all the things all at once, because if you don't see it, it doesn't even exist. Mm hmm. The problem is that when you have all the things like you should see my desk right now, like when you have all the things, it's overwhelming. And yeah, it feels like chaos. Right. It feels very chaotic. So I had to figure out, like, how do I do this? So for me, the Mm -hmm. easiest way was to set alarms on my phone. And then mm -hmm. and then it it helps. Like I I have an alarm on my phone on the day each card is due. And I this is not bad, but there's a story in my head that's saying, oh, my gosh, Rachel, that's so bad. It's not bad. It's just what I need. I actually have an alarm that goes off at like 11 50 p.m. on the night that the the payment is due that says like, hey, it was due today. If you don't pay this right now, you're going to get an alarm. It's a backup. It's a backup. It's a a plan B. And then wait, there's more. When I was paying off my debt, thank God I'm debt free now. But Mm -hmm. by the way, the only reason I say thank God is because I'm not paying the interest, not because having Mm -hmm. the debt was bad. Okay. Yeah. I actually still use my credit cards every single day for all my purchases Mm because I like the points and I like the little benefits and stuff that you get. I'm getting my Delta miles all the way up, but I don't like paying the interest. Here's the thing. When it comes to taking control of your money, what are you choosing? Mm -hmm. Are you choosing to take strides to be towards to be debt free? And if so, why? What are you making Mm -hmm. that mean? Are you choosing to just let it ride and celebrate the fact that someone trusts you and you have this credit card and you're going to use it and do it how you want? What are what are you choosing today? Mm -hmm. And what are you making that choice mean? That's it. I love that. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Rachel, tell us more about your book, Permission to Offend and where people can get it. Okay. So my book, Permission to Offend, The Compassionate Guide for Living Unfiltered and Unafraid 
is really the book that I created for my clients who constantly said, I wish I could put you in my pocket. Like, I wish I could just (laughs) take you everywhere with me. It's every single tip, tool, strategy that I know works. It has been tested and proven not just by me, but thousands of clients that I've worked with over the last 13 years as a coach. There are neuroscience tips in here. What I want to say about this book is that if you do the work, you can apply it to every area of your life, your finances, your business, your marketing, Mm. your sales, your relationships. I had one woman send me a message and say, your book literally saved my son and my life because there's a section about boundaries there. And she said after she read that, she had the courage to set a boundary with her abusive husband, file a TRO and get her and her son out of that dangerous situation. Wow. I had another husband and wife send me a Mm -hmm. message and say that they read the book together and their communication has never been better. Oh, I love it. So, I mean, I could go on and on, but if you go to Amazon, you'll see there's over a hundred reviews, five-star reviews with actual testimony Mm -hmm. of what this book has done. And I truly believe that this is the kind of book that if you do the work, Mm -hmm. your life will change. You will actually be free to be who you've always known Mm -hmm. or desired to be without worrying about the opinions, um, the judgment, the rejection of other people, family, friends, strangers on the internet. So I highly recommend Mm -hmm. it's in English and Spanish. It it. is available in audio, Kindle, all the things, all the things. And we'll link to that below. Get your copy. So at the end of all of my interviews, I love to ask my guests three questions just to get yes. to know you better. Don't think too much about these. Okay. The first question is, what is one thing you're looking forward to? Oh, retirement. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a, like a timeline for that? No, I'm very intuitive. I'll, I feel like mm-hmm. I'll just know. And mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that because I think that there will be so there will be another layer of joy. When I do, I I don't think I will ever stop coaching, right. but when I do it, not for business, but just for fun. The second question is what's, and you might, you might've already answered this, but what's one money mistake you've made that you would tell everybody to avoid? Oh, I wish I had invested sooner Oh, and, and left my money in my 401k. Mm-hmm. When I left corporate America, I took all my money out and I went like on, I don't know who knows what I did with that money, but <laughs> I would have invested. I would have set that up automatic. Like mm-hmm. just take it out. Don't even let me see that money. Exactly. Like pretend like it's not even there. It's yep. for future Rachel. Yes. Yes, I hear that it's a for lot. retired Rachel. Yes, exactly. And the last question isn't a question at all. Just finish this sentence. My favorite thing I've ever spent money on is breast cancer treatment. Oh, and we didn't even get to talk about that. We didn't get to talk about that, but I'll just quickly say I'm a triple negative breast cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. And thank God I mm-hmm. had the money in my bank account to pay for life healing treatments. And here I am four years later, breast cancer free. Congratulations. That's the best. That might be the best answer that anyone has ever (laughs) given on this podcast. I will tell you that. Well, thank you, Rachel, so much for joining us. This was so wonderful. And we'll link to your book. We'll link to your website and you have a podcast too. 
I do. It's called Permission to Offend. So if you're already listening, go ahead and follow it. And I can't wait to support you over there. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Allison. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, if you're enjoying the Inspire Budget podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a rating and a review. I read every single review and it really helps other people find the Inspire Budget podcast. I'll be back next week with another brand new episode. See you then.